The moose is on the loose. Eh? Don't you know? Hey, what's up, disc golfers? Joe here with Joe's Disc Golf, and great, great show for you today. I don't know why I was looking over here. This is my monitor that has pictures for things later. We've got show and tell later in the show. Yay, we've got show and tell. Show and tell. Okay. Um, I apologize if you're watching this live or post-produced, and the sync is off from the audio. I'm sure that is going to bug the hell out of a lot of you. But there seems to be nothing I can do about that since I am currently live right now. And thanking our sponsor, Log. What rolls downstairs alone or in pairs rolls over your neighbor's dog? What's great for a snack? And if it's on your back, it's log, log, log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's better than bad. It is good. Everyone wants a log. You're going to love it, log. Come on and get your log. Log from Blamo. There we go. We are into it now. We've got so much to talk about. We've got the Portland Open that just happened. We've got Eagle McMahon hurting himself again. Again. Yes, that happened. Because uh, when you're right, you're right. And me, I'm always right. You know, just to paraphrase, uh, barf. The Mog, half man, half dog. He's his own best friend. Besides that, we're also talking about the drama that unfolded on Twitter last week, about a week ago today, despite what some of the timestamps say. It was about a week ago. This all happened on June 2nd, but I did not get an episode out last week, last Friday, June 2nd, because guess what? Somebody doesn't know how to read a calendar when they're on PTO. I was on PTO. Yes, I took some valuable time for myself. Had a blast hanging out with the family. Said on Facebook, like, yes, I will be there for Thursday League. I said that on Friday. And they let me know later on Friday that that was yesterday. And yeah. So by the time I realized all that, it was far too late to get anything done to get on to stream so unfortunately, there's nothing last week. I apologize for that, even though there's plenty to talk about with all the disc golf drama that was happening. On top of that, we're talking Kristen Tatar. She's the best FPO player currently playing right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to add to that because anybody with a pair of eyeballs can see that she is clearly the best. FPO player. So why don't we start there? Kristen Tatar utterly dominates, just totally kicks everyone's ass at the Portland Open. I'm trying to pull up the stats here so I can actually get this and sound somewhat intelligible here. She takes it down, wins by three or four strokes, ends up not playing well in the final round, actually plays fairly poorly in, uh, if we're all being honest here, her final round was not great, but she had built up such a lead that she was just like, what up? Sorry. Screw you guys. I'm going to win it. She still wins by four strokes. Beats Sayananda by four strokes. Who, Sai, has been playing very, very well. That is definitely someone you have to watch out for 
we all thought that Matty O was going to be making waves and making a big name for West Side Discs with Saeed, Eric Cartman. But it turns out that Sayananda is actually making some huge waves there, playing out of her mind these last couple. She is currently ranked, according to UDisc, fifth in the world. So again, these are UDisc stats. I, I don't know what to say about that. Um, other than, you know, it's UDisc, Statmando has it a little different, PDGA has it a little different, and Disc Golf Pro Tour, take it for what it's worth, the season points, DGPT, that, that's more of a, how would I want to say that, long-term snapshot of how your 2023 season went, or is going currently. Right now, for some people, not so great. Paige Pierce is down like 13, 14. Not doing so hot. Hopefully, she'll be able to pick it up, get some, either get some wins, get some podium finishes, and she'll be doing just fine. I'm, I'm not really worried about how Paige Pierce is going to finish out the season here. I think she's still going to end up top three, top four. I think it was funny going to continuing on the Kristen Tatar train that originally Udisc put out an article, or was it Ulti World? Put out an article saying that, like, hey, the person that you should watch out for that's going to gun for Kristen Tatar isn't Paige Pierce. It's someone you wouldn't believe. It was Katrina Allen, and we're all sitting there going, duh. You're talking about, depending on the rankings, depending on the year, Katrina being, you know, you've got Kristen Tatar, and then Paige and Katrina, depending on the day, you could probably flip-flop them now. I mean, I think you can still flip-flop them, but it's not not for second and third, that's for sure. That is for sure there. Any which who, Sayananda is definitely making a name for herself and playing just completely, completely out of her mind. And I, I just, I'm shocked, impressed. It's been great. It's been great to watch. I think watching her has been a ton of fun. She's definitely had some uh, unique outfits, but then again, so has Ezra Aderhold, and I have the same opinion for both. Meh. Doesn't look so great in my opinion. Of course, we have to talk about the finish at the Portland Open because, well, we have to. We have to mention all the stats that everybody else has already mentioned, including the generational podium with... Kristen Tatar in her 30s, Sayananda in her 20s, Owen in her 40s, Juliana in her 50s. And Juliana Corver in her 50s, tearing it up at this course, playing absolutely phenomenal, making tons of money relative to where she has been in the last, I don't know, 30 years of her career. Shoots a 67, 62, 61, 61 for a tie for third. Gets her a respectable 19 down. While Kristen Tatar... 63, 59, 60, 63. Round four, she was missing pots. It was it was not good. Kristen Tatar was looking a little bit off, but then again, it's kind of funny to look to see Kristen Tatar a little bit off and still no one at all has been able to catch her. I don't know, I don't know what's going on there. But but it is, it's been a ton of fun. Um, 
uh, I just completely lost my train of thought because Jake brought up a great point. Westside has an issue with Matty O uh, not playing West Coast, and Cy is not going to the East Coast. I'd be curious if she would add in a few. I don't know. Obviously, you have to kind of sort of plan ahead for the playoff events. Obviously, basically everyone gets into the first playoff event. I would assume that Sayananda should be playing the playoff offense and playing in the DGPT championship, unless something really weird happens, who knows? We are in the middle of June. We're in the early part of June. DGPT championship isn't until October. We have time. I'd like to think that with how well she's playing, she'd consider adding more East coast. I know she lives uh, Pacific Northwest. They were saying that, you know, she was, uh, from the Portland-ish area, I think, somewhere in that general vicinity. Honestly, not 100% sure. It could be something like, if you grew up anywhere within an hour and a half of Chicago, you're from Chicago, even though you're not from Chicago at all. But, hey, that's what you do. It's a great reference point. I barely could point to Portland on a map. I have a vague idea of where that is and where Seattle is. That's about it. So I completely understand if she's from some suburb or town that's relatively close and you go, yep, I'm, I'm from, I'm from Portland. I'm from P-Town rather than Poo-Town, but that's San Francisco. That's a whole different story. Anyway, Portland Open, great time. MPO side, electric, crazy how it all went down. Adam Hams takes it down in a playoff over the goose man, Ron Swanson. Sorry, Aaron Gossage. Very exciting. Roller coaster of emotions happening in the last couple holes with hammies going out of bounds, with uh, Klein going out of, out of bounds. I believe it's Kyle Klein going out of bounds. And then Gossage playing well. Turns out he talked to Brody, who relayed this through Tour Life. Gossage on 18 didn't play it as aggressively as he should because he thought... He didn't ask, but he thought that Hammies was back much further than he was. And then it turns out that he was close enough to make a circle two putt. He does make that circle two putt. They go to a playoff, does not go well. Gossage just didn't, didn't play it as aggressively as he need to. He's been in this situation multiple times before. It has been brought up that he seems to be this generation's Eagle McMahon, where Eagle back in the day, put himself in a lot of positions to win. And he was so close and he almost did it and almost did it and almost. And then he finally did. He finally made it over the hump to win. Gossage seems to be right there right now. The biggest hole in his game is definitely the putting. That is what he needs to focus his most attention on. His backhand is great. His forehand is great. His approach shots, really good. His putting, not so good. I believe that his putting, I could pull up his stats right here. His putting is some of the worst, well, I say worst, but worst when it comes to the top level here. And that would be profile. I need to get your stats better location here. Overall, C1X putting 79%, which gets him a solid 79th place. Good job. I love it. And his circle two putts, 26% for 60th place. He bumps that average up to 85%, and that's looking a heck of a lot better. 
That is looking really good. 85% will get you. Ugh. Ugh. I don't like the way this is all set up. Boo earns. 85% would get him definitely some wins because he's putting himself in contention with putting, like his best putting days being 78, 79%, 80. Maybe if he has a really good weekend, 85% overall because this is an average of 79%. So he's definitely shooting under. He can shoot, he can shoot over. If he can just improve that, if he can get those things working for him, Oh my gosh, <laughs> he is going to be a force to be reckoned with, but that is, that's something else. Uh, one good point that Jake has brought up is uh, Eagle has more natural spin than Aaron does, uh, but I don't think uh, Gossage has the natural feel to putt well. It'll be interesting. It's something he's definitely has to work on. He's got to spend a lot of time on it. That is uh, throw for show, putt for dough. I mean, honestly, though, let's let's be real here. You still have to throw pretty well, pretty well there to be able to score some points and get that cash. And speaking of cash, an era has ended. An era has ended. And it is a sad, sad day here. Because Nate Sexton cash streak has ended after nearly 16 years. His cash streak can drive in most states. And yet, it has come to an end. And he is not someone who has, you know, ducked away from the harder tournaments and just like, oh, well, I don't, I don't think I can cash at this one. So I'm going to just skip this one. Keep that cash streak alive. He kept playing and kept playing and kept playing. And it was beautiful. There were times where it was really exciting to watch a four-round tournament and go, is Sexton going to make the cut? Is he going to hit cash? And he did up until this weekend. He posted on Instagram, I believe it was, that he shed a few man tears. Paraphrasing here. Shed a few man tears. As he walked up 18th fairway, knowing that he just, his cash streak has come to an end. It is an insane, insane amount of time that he's been able to get money in a sport that definitely favors younger, stronger arms. And someone, he's obviously been playing for a very long time, very smart disc golfer, knows how to put himself into position. You just watch it. Listen to him talk about the game. When he is doing commentary, listen to him talk about the game. And you could just hear all the knowledge. He knows how to play. He knows that if he drops, if he can place a shot just over here, it's going to set him up for the next shot and he'll be able to get that birdie or he'll be able to give it a good long run, give it a good long bid. And that has unfortunately now come to an end, but it's still exciting. It's still crazy. I don't know if that's something that's ever going to be topped with the way that things are now. It is only going to become more and more common that players will miss the cash line because the competition is going to get so stiff. It's going to get so fierce as we move on. I mean, look at it. Look at some of the people who have been missing cash who are good disc golfers and they just have a bad week or they play pretty good, but five other guys just pop off and beat them to the cash. 
it can happen. It will happen. And it'll be exciting to see how this all goes as the as the tour progresses, as people generally are going to, uh, as the competition level is going to rise. Which we're definitely seeing the competition level rise in FPO. Look at what Kristen Tatar is doing. She is forcing other FPO players to get better, to get good scrub, essentially. She's looking at them and like, yeah, whatever. I'll have my B game out today and I'm still going to stomp on you. The only time that she kind of really got beat bad, quote unquote bad, is when she took that fifth place right after Champions Cup at Jonesboro. Honestly, I said it at the time, I'll say it again. She got screwed out of Champions Cup 2022, and she was a woman on a mission. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, and whew, stay out of her way. Worst finish last year, third place. This year, fifth place, still really, really good. But I think that all of that culmination, that buildup, and that work, and that effort was put straight into Champions Cup. So once she won Champions Cup and just killed it at Champions Cup, Jonesboro, she's like, screw it. I'm going home tomorrow. I'm going home this Monday. I get to see my kids, my kid, my daughter. I get to see my family. I get to just chillax and have a grand old time back in Estonia and just have, just, you know, work out, get stronger, get better at disc golf, work on whatever, stay in shape. And now she's back and just totally kicking everyone's ass. There was some talk, a little bit of speculation like, ooh, Kristen Tatar, is she human? Is she mortal? Yes, a little bit. But however, it still seems that Kristen Tatar is on a completely, completely different level than the rest of the field, forcing them to get better, which is going to only make the FPO competition watching FPO live even better. Right now, I look at FPO and at least lead and chase card and sometimes third card, depending on how big the tournament is. That can be pretty exciting. I can't wait to see it where it's like MPO, where you'll have five cards deep. What, Gannon Burr almost won? Uh, was it Jonesboro? From the fifth card? Was it Jonesboro? It was It was somewhere right around then, maybe right after that. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, Jake points out, and this is a good point here. I am not a big golfer, so regular golfer. So I, I don't know this. Mickelson missed a cut in his prime at a major, uh, but it wasn't a huge story at the time. The DGPT will be the same. It's just we're in this weird transition period where the guys like Macbeth and Waisaki and Sexton, they missed the cut, and it's it's crazy. It's like Michael Jordan not being MVP. You just kind of are like, what happened? What what's going on? So as it moves on, as the as it all goes on, it will be it'll be less and less of a story. Which you know, it'll it'll happen. You'll be like, oh okay, 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 what happened? Oh, he had an off weekend, or he didn't show up, or she didn't show up, or whoever, whatever, did not show up and play because of whatever reason, whether it was physically, mentally, or they just actually weren't there it can happen it will happen seeing also some faces up at the top there we have brody taking 11th and yuli taking 17th apparently yuli has been dealing with some shoulder issues he should probably check out discgolfhealthy.com where i will be updating more stuff 
did not get some stuff off the ground like I'd hoped to in time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you can follow Disc Golf Healthy or DG Healthy at DG Healthy on Twitter. I want to make sure I got that right. I believe it is at DG Healthy. I know you're going, you're looking at me like, wait a minute. He doesn't know his Twitter handle for one of his accounts that he owns. Well, yes, that's because Disc Golf Healthy was just too much of a pain in the butt to write. So I did put it as DG Healthy. There we go. You have five whole followers. Thank you, all five, all five of you. It was it was rough. It was rough there. But mentally, I'm here. So, yeah, there we go. Those are kind of the Portland Open, MPO, FPO, things that are going on there. It's kind of nice that uh, we've get, we're getting some of these insights here. Some drama that happened last weekend at Portland Open happened between Maria Oliva and Brody Smith. You probably heard the story, but we're going to go over it anyways, because why not? I think it'll be interesting because it kind of ties into some disc golf healthy stuff that we're going to talk about here. Personally, this is from Maria Oliva. Personally, I think if long courses tire you out, you need to be in better shape and work on your endurance. For reference here, people were complaining about the length of the Portland Open course, which apparently wasn't too much longer than normal whatever i digress continue i love wooded courses like the ones we're playing in washington i also love playing these long af courses because they feel like a challenge mentally and physically my first year on tour i was so worn out because i was not in good athletic shape this year i have totally have a totally different lifestyle and schedule because of how long and demanding these courses are Staying in your comfort zone only limits you. Get out of it as often as possible. From there, oh, haha, da 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 da, visual aids. There we go. For those of you listening on podcast audio format, I am sorry. For the visual people there, we've got some more stuff here. Brody then replies to that. He goes, Do you want to come on the podcast tonight? Rusty Shackelford comes in and says, I think she'd probably rather eat glass, but can't hurt to try. Brody asks why. Rusty says, I think she said she already said everything she wants to say on the subject. Emphasis on I think, not trying to speak for anyone. Brody then says, lots easier to explain yourself in a podcast form instead of tweets. Maria Oliva finally jumps in and says, it's actually easier to express myself in writing than with a complete stranger in a studio for clout considering it's been i've been within five feet of you numerous times on the course and you've never made an effort to introduce yourself i'm good on the podcast thank you though and then drew gibson chimes in and says disc golf twitter is mighty toxic lady damned if you do damned if you don't personally i thought maria's tweet that brody initially asked her to be on the pod for her to elaborate about would have been Cool to hear her actual insight. She could have shared that to help. Now, I agree. I think it would have been better if she had come on there. And breaking this down, I think her response was a little crazy. It was 
First of all, she says, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And then when basically asked to get out of her comfort zone, she goes, heck no, no, F that noise, not doing it. Ain't no way, ain't no how, ain't no clout chaser. Don't know which way she meant that, whether she was trying to, whether she was insinuating she would get clout from being on there or give clout to Brody and Yuli and the Tour Life podcast. I don't understand, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it would be, I would love to hear her her perspective as a pro disc golfer who saw how hard it was to play from just being out of shape versus playing now where she's in shape and just talk about that because a lot of people on tour aren't in great shape at all. Some of that has to do with just the van life and traveling like that. I get it. It's difficult. There's a lot you can do with body weights and TheraBands, but I digress. I thought it would be interesting. Her response, though, was just a little bit ridiculous, in my opinion. Should have just been like, first of all, people were complaining that Brody asked on Twitter. Apparently, he asked on Instagram with no reply. Maybe she didn't see it. Maybe she didn't. Who knows? It apparently can go into a weird folder if it's not from someone you are friends with or however that all works out. I don't get DMs on Instagram, so that's not something I understand. DMs are open, though. Slide into those DMs, baby. Oh, yeah. But we, I think it could have been handled a lot better. I think she could have politely said no or just like, hey, you know, I can't do it right now. Whatever. Not a big deal. It's kind of funny how people will jump into her defense right away and just go like, ah, you know, that Rusty Shackelford douche, basically. Sorry, it's the best way to call him. Just jumping in and say she would rather eat glass than be on that podcast. I uh, I don't understand that. I like the I like listening to Tour Life. It does give some insight. Like I found out some information about Eagle's injury through Tour Life. Thank you. I missed his live, his last live stream, Eagle's last live stream. So I don't know if he mentioned anything in there about his injury. We will get into that later. Back onto this. It is hugely important to be in better physical shape, to have better endurance. Because whether you realize it or not, when you're holding your disc golf bag, say it's 20 pounds. I'm just throwing a number out there. Say it's 20 pounds. Okay, that's not too bad. Now you are using proper form to pick up your bag and squatting down to pick it up. So on the first tee, you're setting it down and then you're going to pick it up. We're going to assume everything's a par three. So you throw your shot, you set it down, you go to your bat, you go to your hole, you go to your shot, you set it down, you throw, you either make it or miss it, whatever you pick it up and you go. So you're, you're picking, setting it down, picking it up at least 36, probably 54 times. Now, 54 times 20, let's do some math here. 54 times 20 is 1,080. So you're, doing, you're lifting 1,080 pounds worth of stuff. And that's if your bag is only 20 pounds. Some of those pound bags are probably 20 pounds themselves. That's why carts are a good idea, generally speaking. Obviously, course dependent. There's some courses around here where throwing, having a cart is way more work than actually just having a bag. But if you just think about it that way, forget the walking, forget 
all of that other stuff. Assume you throw perfect shots, you're going to be walking, say the course is 7,000 feet, you're going to be walking 7,000 feet, carrying that 20-pound bag, doing 1,000 pounds worth of squats over that entire course. Now, say you're human and don't have perfect throws. You're, work, you're walking well over the 7,000, not including, and that's just the distance between the tee and the basket. You're not counting those walks in between the holes, which can be 100 feet, could be a quarter of a mile. There are some long walks out there. So you're just adding to that. And then you're going three-day tournament, four-day tournament, practice rounds, three practice rounds, four practice rounds, whatever it is. It's interesting to know. <sighs> it's interesting to, to see how people don't realize how good of shape you need to be in to play disc golf at the pro level. Now you throw a six pack in the back with a bunch of the guys and go out to your local course. If you're, you know, six pack of root beer. Yeah. Yeah. And you go out there and you just have fun. You don't care. No big deal. You're not playing for anything. When this is your job, you need to be in the best shape that you can possibly be in both physically and mentally. You need to have the endurance to be able to walk these courses several times. You have to have the endurance to be able to carry your bag or drag that cart or whatever. <sighs> anyway, that's that's just kind of that point there. And, you know, uh, above average Am Disc Golf says, clearly Rusty knows Maria and knows she hates Brody Smith. I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen anything, but to be completely honest, I haven't really looked into it it is interesting somebody on reddit dug up a fan picture of her from like six or so years ago seven years ago of her getting a picture with brody after an ultimate frisbee tournament or i don't know if it was just some time that she met i thought that was interesting and as it has been stated that uh introductory can go both ways. You can go up to Brody and go like, hey, what's up? I'm Maria. Brody could go up. Hey, what's up? I'm Brody. Either way, I thought um, I thought Brody's explanation as to why he hasn't really introduced himself is pretty legit. He said he's already got a wife. He has no real interest in going out of his way to make a female friend. If he happens to become friends with a group of people and there's women there, whoop-de-doo, but he's not going to go out of his way. And especially in 2023, that's not going to end well. There are going to be, it, there's going to be a picture taken and captions that are suggesting improprieties, whether he is, you know, forget if he was married or not. He would have been, he, he it, it just wouldn't have, he's in his, what, the, he's 36-ish and she's in her early 20s. People are going to say, oh, that's so bad, blah, 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 which, whatever, I don't really care. Everybody's an adult, whatever. But it's 2023, and Brody needs to just watch himself. He, and I think he, he did the right thing. Plus, he's busy enough between making his content, shooting videos on the course, and all that stuff. So I, I, can, I can understand. Having a caddy, Jake does bring up a good point that having a caddy is a really good idea. It has, it has helped so much uh, for the people who have that because you don't have to carry your bag. You have someone else to carry it. You don't have to bend down. Uh, you, you might have a cart, but you still ask like, hey, I mean, my pink whatever 
I need my blue blah, blah, blah. I need my understable, overstable destroyer. Whatever you need. They can get it for you. Or they could just be wearing your bag and you just turn around and boom, done. That <sighs> also can't be helped. It, it can. Hmm, limiting discs in practice rounds. Yeah, it if sometimes in practice rounds, I know I've gone to and <laughs> take this for what it's worth as a mediocre M1 player. I have gone to tournaments and played practice rounds on my own and have thrown multiple shots because I'm not certain what the best one is going to be. Is it going to be my truth on a bit of hyzer, my Emac truth on a bit of hyzer to get around the corner to set me up for the best shot or a good look at a putt? Or is it going to be my justice thrown flat and let that hyzer out and maybe get a better better look? So I can understand for practice rounds, bringing extra discs and just seeing what what could work and what might not work. Obviously, if you've played these course more and more, the pros will get it. But every now and then, you'll come across a course you don't know. They don't need... Pra- <laughs> Jake says they don't need... 25 discs in a practice round when they rely on seven of them. I think, I, I don't know. I think uh, my response kind of answered that a little bit, if that makes sense, where they might not know what the best shot would be. Where something else I just, I, I thought of, could it be a little bit harder thrown mid or putter or a softer fairway? Take something off of a fairway, try to let that hyzer in and get that flare skip. I've, depending on the hole, you could want either, or you could want both. It it all kind of depends. Those are just some thoughts in, in my head of like, oh, maybe it could work like this. Maybe it could work like that. I don't know. But it was interesting. I think being in better shape would work out. I do have some general advice for most of the pro disc golfers. Most, basically 99% of disc golfers out there is to get a good warm-up and a good cool-down I do have on this main channel a warm-up and a cool-down. I'm working on updating that, coming out with a couple different versions of that for different fitness levels, essentially, to get on the Disc Golf Healthy YouTube channel. You can subscribe there. There aren't a lot of videos, but there should be more coming up soon. I'm also going to be doing a vlog-style series on that channel called Disc Golf Dad Bod, trying to basically get back in shape, lose weight, not just to be able to do better at disc golf, but to be able to play with my kids and not feel like I'm out of breath from walking up the stairs. I'm not that bad, but you know, whatever quality might be a little bit all over the place because I'm not taking my nice camera out. If I'm going for a run or if I'm going for a bike ride, I'm not taking my nice camera out. You'll be stuck with my iPhone footage. That's a little channel update there. Hope you enjoyed that. But a good warm-up and a good cool-down will prevent a lot of injuries, which, as mentioned before, Yuli is an engaged engaged to an orthopedic assistant. I'm not uh, I'm not sure exactly what that means. There, that's kind of a could be a physician's assistant, could be a surgical assistant, it could be a whole bunch of different things. I don't know exactly. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus at all. I don't know exactly, and it's one of those things where (laughs) uh, it's one of those things where, you know, if if I were to talk, say, engineering, and you're an engineering, you'd be like, please just, okay, yes, that is kind of right. So, sorry, it's just kind of my nature here. 
Uh, it could be a bunch of different things, but either way, it's smart referring him, Yuli, to get some therapy for his shoulder because guess what? You get older, things break down. I think Yuli and I are about the same age, so mid-30s. He's been playing disc golf a lot longer than I have and at a much higher level than I ever could hope to compete at. And knowing what I know from sports medicine, a good warm-up and a good cool-down prevents a lot of injuries. What I see so often, and it is uh, it is beyond frustrating for me to watch people get out of their car, grab their bag, maybe they'll swing their arms a couple times, and, you know, this or that, and then go straight out to throwing on hole one and just rip and full out drives or going out to the field, depending on some of the courses here. We have a field right there where you can just go out, grip it and rip it. And it's, it's a good time when you're properly warmed up. But when you are going there and you're not warming up, you're not getting your muscles ready for activity. You are setting yourself up for one, a poor round and two, a substantially increased likelihood of probably a shoulder injury, but honestly, you could get a, a pretty nasty elbow injury. You can get a wrist injury, back, hips, ankles, knees, whatever. What a good warm-up would be is doing some arm circles, forwards and backwards, getting some full arm circles, doing what I call huggers where you're just kind of going out and wrapping around. I'm trying not to hit the microphone here. I'm trying to be nice to you guys, trying to save your ears. Just doing some huggers, doing things like that, doing some standing marching, touching your toes, that kind of stuff. I don't like doing static stretching ahead of a round because that's not the kind of motion that you're going to do. Static stretching post round cool down is great. So one of those stretches where you just kind of bring your arm across your shoulder, trying to do that without ripping my long sleeve shirt because I'm so buff, yo. No, it's just, you know, dress shirts. You can't really, you can't really move in them. So bringing your shoulder across like that, touching your toes, getting those ankles and all that stuff to help cool down and get your body properly adjusted to the lack of activity because the whether you're throwing a forehand or a backhand that is a ballistic motion that's how you describe it it is a ballistic motion is high energy quick paced it's like pitching why do you see the pitchers with all the ice over their arms after they're done that's to help them recover they benefit more from a proper cool down but to each his own, each practitioner has their own philosophy, and they're not actually hurting them. I just think they could help them more by doing something different. That is a completely different story, and we are not going to get into the weeds on that one. But if you want an interesting read, you can look up the book, The Case Against Ice. It's a pretty pretty interesting read if you're, if you're into that kind of thing. If you're into a nerdy person like me, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It will... Uh, and speaking of shoulder injuries, we have to talk about the elephant in the room or the eagle in the room. One Eagle McMahon, he has re-injured his shoulder. He had to leave uh, mid-round, mid-tournament, shooting a six-over, I believe, or a two-over, and he had to leave because he injured his shoulder. Surprise, surprise. Now, he seemed to be doing pretty well. I think he was probably doing pretty well with his therapy. Then he started going on tour, getting out more. Shoulders started feeling good, got lax. And that's where you run into most of your problems there. When you get lax with your therapy. Hey, my shoulder doesn't hurt. 
I don't need to do those shoulder exercises, whatever he was prescribed. I don't know. I could take a pretty solid educated guess, which 90% of the people get, uh, 90% of the people get prescribed internal rotation, external rotation, extension and flexion at the bare minimum to keep his shoulder steady. There's probably other stuff you could do rhythmic stabilization with a body blade. Same principle as like a shake weight, but way less suggestive and gross and disgusting. A whole bunch of different shoulder exercises you could do. Not going to bog you down in the details. Listening to tour life, it sounds like, according to Brody, who got, he heard it from other people, may or may not have violated HIPAA. That's a whole nother story. I'm not getting into that bag of worms. But... It sounds like he was bending over to pick up his disc or pick up his bag and his shoulder. He re-injured his shoulder as, and I quote, it was a tweak, maybe a sub, maybe a dislocation, but I don't know. Ugh. So that can definitely happen and is very common with a labrum tear, especially you keep injuring it. And we only know of a couple of times, obviously the first time he did it back October, a couple of years ago with Jomez. Then he did it again last year, came back, eventually won European Open, but that was basically the last thing he played. Then this year he does it again. We don't know about any times where he may have tripped and falled, tried to put his shirt on and his shoulder came out, tried to wash his hair and his shoulder came out, put his glasses on. I don't know. Those are all things that can legitimately happen. I'm not trying to make fun of him or anything like that. Once you dislocate your shoulder once, it's easier the second time. It's easier the third and fourth and fifth. And eventually, you end up like a handful of athletes that I've had in the past where they're just like, oh, my shoulder's back in. No, it's not quite sitting right. Let me pop it out and put it back in. Ah, that feels a lot better. Not kidding. That happens. That <laughs> that can happen. I'm not saying eagle shoulder is that loose. That is something that can happen, though. So what he really needs to do is take a long, hard look and I've said it since the beginning. I think he needs surgery. I don't know anything. I haven't put hands on him. I have no idea how bad this is. You can definitely feel that. He's had an MRI, so he definitely knows. Him and his ortho know how bad this is. I'm afraid that he keeps pushing off surgery. He keeps pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off. And before long, surgery will help but it's not going to be as effective as it would have been had he done it six months ago, a year ago, whatever, however long, I don't know. Again, uh, it's, it's up to him and his ortho and physical therapist, but at the same time, I don't know what's going on. If he needs a reference for rock solid, probably one of the best orthopedic surgeons in the country when it comes to shoulders I got your hookup. I got your reference. Dude is amazing. Works miracles. That's all I can say. Not a doctor. Uh, Jake says, not a doctor, but he said he's going to get surgery at the end of the year. I know he had mentioned that. it From labrum surgery, you're looking at at least six months recovery time. With the way things are going now, and hopefully this injury, this re-injury, because it was from something as innocuous as picking up his bag or picking up his disc and he had it and it had, he had those issues. Maybe that's a kick in the pants to go, you know what? The further off I push this, I'm going to, I'm going to need 
to just fix this now and come back for 2024. I said this when this happened coming into the 2022 season. I said, hey, you know what? You should probably just get surgery December, January, whatever it was. Potentially skip 2022, come back and kick ass in 2023. Maybe even come back at the end of 2022 to see, seeing how it goes. Obviously, each surgery is different. Six to nine months is kind of what the average is. With an athlete like this, I would probably lean towards the nine months. Obviously, each person is different. Look at what happened with um, uh, Peterson, the Vikings running back. He had an ACL tear. He was back in like three and a half, four months. Obviously, way different level of care there. Plus, genetically, the surgeons couldn't believe how good of shape his knee was in, considering he had been a running back for so long prior to this ACL tear. Basically, it, it looked like a baby's a baby's knee because everything was pristine. Cartilage was great. It was awesome. I'm not thinking that's the same thing for Eagle at this point. I'm thinking that with his shoulder injury, with the amount of re-injuries, the thing he needs to worry about is causing a lot of damage to the head of the humerus. So that's, you know, this part of your arm here, it kind of sits in there. It looks like the end of a golf ball that sits out here just like this. Look at that, more visual aids. It's a light bulb or it's the head of the humerus. It sits out there and it gets suction cupped into... Uh, the glenoid, and you are able to have all the degrees of freedom with your shoulder there. It's pretty great. The more that slides out, the more it comes out, and it comes out and comes back in, and it just bangs up against the side of my hand like this. So that's banging up against bone. You run the risk of causing damage to that, which can lead to early onset arthritis, make rehab more difficult, make playing more difficult, make playing at the same level, even more difficult. I get it. That surgery is not a guaranteed fix for returning to play like that. I get that. Trust me. I've seen, I've been on multiple different ends of this in my career of surgeries that have worked and performed miracles and they're back playing at the same level or in occasions better. I've also seen it where through no fault of the athlete, no fault of the surgeon. It just doesn't go well, and they're never quite the same. Sometimes it's the fault of the athlete for not doing the rehab properly or doing things that they shouldn't have been doing outside of rehab. Wow, athletes doing stupid things. Who'd have thunk it? I'm not trying to call out one person individually. I'm talking athletes as a whole. Football, baseball, softball, basketball, soccer. Doesn't matter what it is. They're all full of dumb athletes. Love him to death, though. But that is, that is that. I believe that's it. Oh, almost forgot. Didn't talk about Paul Macbeth. Paul Macbeth. Yikes. He did not look so great out there in Estonia. Finished 31st. Got beat by the cameraman from Jomez. Yikes. Not doing so good. The question is, what's going on with Paul Macbeth? Is it mental? Is it physical? What is it? Physical, I don't know. He is, again, getting older. He's in his 30s. Generally speaking, athletic prime is in your mid-20s, mid to early 20s, generally speaking. Looking at how things are going, I mean, look at Juliana. She's 50 and competing like crazy. Could be some of that. Could be mental focus, just not there. 
He's running the Macbeth Foundation. He's traveling to Europe. He's trying to build his brand in Europe. He's trying to build Discraft's brand in Europe. He's trying to do all of these things. He's trying to build courses all around the world with the Macbeth Foundation. It's just... uh, It's just crazy that all the stuff he's doing... And I would not be surprised if this is more of a mental issue. He's at a point where he's getting pulled in so many different directions that who knows what he's thinking about. He's coming out to the course and he's not getting as many practice rounds as he needs. He's trying to make fans happy, signing autographs. He's doing interviews. He's doing all this extra stuff. And I get that. He's a superstar. He just, we just, I don't know whether it's, whether it's Macbeth or us, we have to kind of adjust our expectations, I guess, and just go, all right, what, what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. He's got a lot of stuff going on. He he needs to he needs to figure his life out. He does. But that's yeah, that's about it. I I don't have too much to add on that. Sorry, I kind of rambled on the Eagle McMahon situation. If anybody has any questions, comments, concerns, please leave them in the comments now. Otherwise, you can always find me on social media. Tweet at me at Joe's Disc Golf at Disc Golf Healthy. Instagram at Joe's Disc Golf. Facebook never really on there but you could try at joe's disc golf uh joe for email um yeah that's not that's not a great one either i need to really check those i haven't checked those in months yikes otherwise give you guys a little bit of a time here there's like a 20 30 second delay between when i say something and when you guys see it and then there's another delay for you typing things out and sending it here. So I'm just trying to kill time. Did play, I uh, forgot to mention, did play in a trilogy challenge, did not play too great, but for the second year in a row, I got a CTP. That is this beautiful looking Gavin Rathbun Enforcer Fusion Orbit. On my camera, on my screen, it's looking orange and blue, and it's more of a darker red, orange, and blue. Fun times. Those trilogy challenges are great. I'd recommend that. Prodigy has their part two. MVP has, they have something. I forget what it's called. I don't know if Discraft has anything. Innova doesn't have anything because they don't need anything. They're in Dick's. They're in Walmart. They're whatever. They're everywhere. They don't need it. But that seems to have done it for the show here. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. Goes live Fridays, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You know it's going live if there is a little notification that pops up if you're subscribed to the channel. So don't forget to subscribe, ring that bell for notifications, so that when I post the link, the upcoming stream link, you'll see it. I do that eh, the day of the stream, generally speaking, maybe the night before. I don't like trying to clog up everyone's YouTube subscriptions with upcoming streams because... Sometimes there's a bug where it just all upcoming ones are up at the top. And if you're trying to, if you're subscribed to channels, you want to see what's actually out there. Maybe not always what's coming up. So it's only for about a day that it goes up. Maybe that, maybe that morning. Otherwise, thank you all for watching. If you get a great tree kick, don't forget to thank Treesus. And if you get kicked deeper into the woods, well, you need to repent and reflect because you have transgressed against Treesus. As always, I've been Joe, you've been awesome, and I can't wait to see you all in the next video.